Modern Rock for Cincinnati and Dayton. It's 97X with the Jane Sachs Band and I Recognize. Also heard from Chicago's own Urge Overkill and Squeeze with Black Coffee in Bed. Speaking of Dayton's Jane Sachs Band, you'll catch them live at Bogarts tonight for the finals of 97 Exposure 95. Ali Castellini will be there hosting. Uh, it'll be the Jane Sachs Band, Shrug. Maybe we'll see Todd Widener with those wonderful dreadlocks he was sporting. Plowhouse, uh, the Wendell Brothers. Who's going to come out with the big prizes? That's at Bogarts Dave. tonight, 97 Dave. Exposure 95. Yes. Dave. No, yeah. I'm sorry. It's not 1995 anymore. Not it's even not? close. No, because my hair is still the same as 1995. Well, it is. You're you're looking very uh, very uh, dapper there, but yeah. uh, not 1995 anymore. Yeah. And unfortunately, 97X is no longer a radio station. But you and I get together. We do our little yeah. podcast, and mm-hmm. you have these. It's not post traumatic, post euphoric, you know, yeah. flashbacks. To your time at 97X. PEFs, is that what they're called? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> That's yeah. a new term. Yes. Okay. And But you, you have that uncanny knack every time you conjure up somebody from the past that we remember fondly. And Jane Sachs, from the Jane Sachs band, winners of Exposure. Spoiler alert for you, Dave, because oh, you're still man. stuck in 95. I was going to go tonight. <laughs> Sorry, uh, winner of Exposure 95, Jane Sachs joins us. Jane, hello and welcome. Hello. Oh, my God. It's so good to be talking to you guys and hearing your voices again. I love it. Thank you for inviting me. Now, are you broadcasting from your palatial estate that you use the winnings from Exposure 95 to purchase? Um, I most certainly am. (laughs) It's still out behind me. (laughs) (laughs) This is like MTV Cribs. It's 97X Cribs where you talk about all the, like the the millions of dollars you got from winning exposure and and how you turned it into a mansion. (laughs) It was, you know, besides the money, it was priceless. Um, Nothing has been better in my music career than that, honestly. Can't put value on it. Now, do you remember what, I know it's recording time. What else did you win as a exposure champion? Um, I won a lot of validation for the hard work. There you go. Um, I think that we won a PA system, like that we practiced with. Um, honestly, I you know I don't remember. The most important thing for me was just the fact that we were involved and we could hear our stuff on the coolest radio station ever. Um, and that was worth any amount of money. Well, maybe not any amount of money, but like that, was, <laughs> <laughs> that was worth a lot. Now, Jane, you, you, you still seem as as bright and cheery as you did back in 95. I always remember that. Like, you'd send in your stuff, and we'd occasionally, like, you'd play kind of different things, and we'd see you play. But always always just so positive, and I appreciated that about you. Where, where did that come from? I don't know, because it didn't show up in my work. I was such a, I've been such a dark artist. Um, <laughs> I love, you know what, I, I love music. And the, the funny thing about it was that when I moved to Dayton in 1990, my then boyfriend, who's my husband now, turned me on to you all. And um, I had been listening to country. I was in television and working in the South. And I'd been listening to country mainly 
in in the 80s and i moved to dayton and he had been um at miami he had gone to school there and he said you've got to check out this station and i listened and i heard artists like uh, matthew sweet and toad the wet sprocket and um mark curry i don't know if you remember mark curry mm -hmm. man i loved him and um the judy bats well anyway it opened up this something hit me over the head with that and in my heart i had been writing songs but not real seriously but that changed my life tuning into 97x changed the the course of of my literally my life i i, I wouldn't be in music today if it hadn't been listening to you all back then wow i had been doing like some open mics at ohio state and things like that and and writing original music but i wasn't writing the the volume of stuff and the um i don't know the word but the quality of stuff that i started writing when 97x unlocked something in me and you all started playing a song called Blinded by Your Own Dreams that was really just a demo. I had hooked up with a guy that became the first guitar player in, in the lineup um, for just a year. But he produced this um, song and you guys started putting it into some sort of probably very light rotation. But um, And then Mick Montgomery at Canal Street had heard that and he invited us to do i think a thursday night gig and i didn't have a band I, I all i did was say yes like yeah we'll be there and i had and i had to get a band together and it was all because you guys started playing that song blinded by your own dreams unfortunately canal street is no longer in dayton but but tell folks uh that aren't from the area what canal street was about that was a great great location Oh, Canal Street, you could see um, anyone and everyone there who was still playing to rooms of like 250 or so. Um, just a great listening room. You got up on stage and people listened and it made it all so worth it. Um, such a tradition, such a spirit in that place. And Mick Montgomery, the late Mick Montgomery, um, will be in my heart forever and um and the reason i ever stepped really into that place was because of, of you guys as i had mentioned because of 97x well one thing about mick was uh you know he didn't have a lot of money to promote the place so he didn't really advertise it on 97x but he listened to 97x yeah uh, i got to know him that way and there was a ton of bands that we played uh swales um Brainiac. Uh, I mean, we're talking regional and national bands. Trip Shakespeare all played there because they were on 97X and he would book them because of that. Right, right. Royal Crescent Mob mm -hmm. was one of those. Um, yeah, what a, God, what a time. Mm -hmm. What a great music scene. What a great radio station. Great club. But then you kept at it, Jane. Like, like you continued to play with your band at, for for decades, right? Right. Yeah. And and I'm still at it. I um, I've transitioned from doing more of the artistry stuff to writing for other artists in Nashville. So I'm I, I kind of came full circle with music as far as 
you know, I'm listening to, to country again because I'm writing, I'm writing for a publisher. Um, and that's hard to get. It's hard to get signed um, in any capacity. But I got signed by a publisher, I think, three and a half years ago. So I turn, I turn in everything to him now. And uh, it's the hardest writing I've ever done. The easiest writing was just writing for myself. But the hardest writing is writing for someone else to move someone else to want to sing what is coming out of your heart. Now, is it tough to write? For a genre, because you were not country-based as the Jane Sachs Band and what we played at 97X, um, is it hard to write or go from one genre? I, I guess I'd call you alt-pop before or alternative or college or whatever the name was of the hour to writing country. Was that a hard change? It was brutal. Oh, my God, it was brutal. Um, a friend of mine, I dove in, I dove into it so fast and so hard and so deeply. And a friend of mine said, it seems like you're getting a PhD in this. I'm like, yeah, that's what it feels like. And I, I really thought naively that, that I could take a song that was a Jane Sachs band song and with a country vocal that it could cross over. I, I think we had some songs that to me felt like a little, maybe it could cross over. Mm -hmm. And I was so mistaken. And, and I was so confused. Like, what? How, how do you write for this market? And people think, you know, maybe you're selling out or it's just formula. But it's like with any business, there are things that will hit commercially that if you if you figure out the marketability of what you're doing and include that into the craft it's it it's not so much formula it's it's kind of being smart and i'm a better writer because of it and i wish that i had known some of these things back then cuz we did have plenty of showcases and label opportunities we had some interest back in the 90s and i wish that i had been maybe a better a better writer but uh, on the other hand learning this new craft has ruined to an extent the natural freeness of how I used to write because now I, I, I the editor in my brain starts coming out and saying, Ooh, ooh like that. No, don't do that. And so I never had any rules before. And there was a bliss in that, that I don't have anymore, unfortunately. Cause you've also won some songwriting awards. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the first, one of the first awards was um, the John Lennon songwriting contest, a song called Twisted Ballerina that was a Jane Sachs band song. And um, they put it in the pop category, although it never seemed like pop to me, but hey, whatever. And that song traveled the world, literally raising awareness about child sexual abuse. It was so validating. Um, and then another big validation was a couple of years ago, a solo write that I wrote called Somewhere in the won the same contest in the country category. And it was sort of like, wow, okay, the work's paying off. You know, it hasn't gotten cut by another artist or anything like that. And it may never, but the work's paying off. And so that, that was great. And then there have been some other contests, but if you're at it long enough and and you work hard enough, you, you know, you'll probably start seeing um, some contest awards like I've won. I, I do want to take a step back. Uh, I mean, the 
publishing part of it and what you're doing now is, is fascinating to me. But I want to talk a little bit more about your 97X era, we'll call it. And so sure. you said, you know, you had some label showcases and you had some interest. Tell us a little bit more about that and what your feeling was as an artist. And, and you know, was there, there's a brass ring I'm reaching for or how did that come about? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've always been very goal oriented. And so at first I started writing songs. Um, and then, you know, then you, then you start writing songs, dreaming of maybe one day hearing it on the radio, which then I did through you all. And then, then you start dreaming about, well, could I take it to the next level? And, um, I'm not sure that that ever happened, but we, through everything that we had done, um, there was a lot of interest from labels at one point. And, and a funny story is the most interest was, I think, from Warner. I was managed by a duo management team at one time back then out of L.A., and they had some interest going, um, I think it was Warner, but they had heard Cigar Song, which you ended up playing a lot, and they said, well, we are really interested, but tell her to go write another cigar song. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so I don't know if you remember a song called Me and Bogey, but I wrote, a, I wrote this song called Me and Bogey, and they hated it. And I, so they, that was it for that, like, you know, that was easy come, really easy go, I guess. <laughs> If you go out on YouTube, I just shared it to, to Jane and Damien. There's uh, Channel 19 did a news story called, uh, and it's on YouTube, and it's I think it's under 97X Finals 95. Just search that in YouTube, and you'll see the news story uh, with Ali Castellini kind of hosting it. But you get to see all the members of the band, and they interview Jane backstage. And, and everybody is shrug and yeah. went to Brothers that year. and Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's kind of a fun. It's a good flashback. Oh, my gosh. I loved when you sent that to me. Wow. So, Jane, do you remember, did, did you get a song played on Local Licks before Exposure? Or the first time you were on 97X was through 97 Exposure? I think it was through 97 Exposure. The interesting story for that was when I moved here and started, started listening to you all and I heard the contest um I was all all over that like I like I am absolutely gonna do this as soon as I can and the first contest I got to enter um I sent in a song and it did not make the top 20 but I I went somewhere with a bottle of champagne I remember that champagne ready to celebrate and I listened to the 20 songs and I, it was so great still because I got to hear where the bar was. I didn't, I didn't make it into the top 20. The next year I made it into the top 20, uh, but didn't go any further. The year after that, um, we as a band made it into the top four and we came in fourth that year, but like we were there. And so, that was so exciting. And then the next year we won. And it's like, yes, you know, four years we, we, you know, the progression of that was so much fun. Yeah, that's very cool. 
And and you got the second year when you made the top twenty, you had some aged champagne, right? Because you still had the bottle from the previous year when you didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I drank it. I drank the champagne, listening to the top twenty, ready to celebrate. But I, you know, hey, if there's like a bottle near me, not that I'm like, uh, you know, that I I drink a tremendous amount, but like, hey, you know, listening to great music, if there's a bottle, you can open it and like, you know, have a cocktail or two. So I drank the bottle of champagne, listening to the top twenty, and it was fantastic. Nice, uh, Damien. This was 1995. It was a Zima. She was drinking a Zima. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jane, what was it about beyond the fact as as a, you know, kind of local or regional singer songwriter? What else when your then boyfriend, now husband introduced you to 97X? What jumped out about the station to you? It was just music that I had never heard of before. I hadn't heard. I didn't even know this genre, that genre existed. Um, And it was almost like you put an umbrella over it all. It's like it's like you like you know, put up this umbrella and, and we could stand under it. And I don't know, I, it's a weird analogy, but you gave us one place to hear all of this wonderful stuff. I never would have known that it it had existed or the genre. Um, And the, the writing was so cool and the sounds were so cool. Uh, it just opened up such a, a big world. One other thing I, I want to bring up in this podcast, just because uh, something that you you uh, did a great job navigating and gave hope and, and, and helped out people. You're a breast cancer survivor. Yes. And uh, you had quite a, a battle, but you were very inspirational. I remember you know just being friends with you on Facebook, how you would post these inspirational uh, messages. I mean, I think it's great the way you got through that. And I, and I think it helped other people besides yourself. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Yes. Um, I am however many years out, I five and a half, I'm five and a half years out, um, from my last treatment. Um, I had a double mastectomy and they let me wake up from that, knowing that my prognosis was really good from that. But then they said, but by the way, uh, you have to have chemo because of the type of cancer. So, um, all right, I braced myself. I didn't enjoy losing my hair, but I'll tell you, being bald was so interesting. Like how many people get to, and women especially, get to see their their entire head like that. I mean, it was fascinating. Um, it was music got me through. I continued to write every day. I kept all of my writing appointments. I took my computer into the chemo room and put on headphones and quietly uh, co-wrote in the corner, um, with people from all around the country. And, um, and it, that kept me focused and kept me going. And the fact that I had a good prognosis from the beginning, like people always said, Oh my gosh, you're so strong. I'm like, no, I, you know, I'm not strong. It, it, it's, it, you just do what you have to do. I, I looked around the room and I saw people that probably didn't have the prognosis that I did. And, and when I wasn't writing, I was crying and I, I wasn't really crying for myself. I was crying for the, for them, not knowing them, or their kids or their family. I just, 
I don't know the, the I, my heart bled for everybody in that room connected to their IVs. It, it was overwhelming, but here I am. And it's great to hear how music and writing helped you through that as well, too, as, as your way out kind of. Yeah, it, it did. And, and you've basically been able to carve out a career in music, which is, which is pretty rare. What, what do you attribute that to? I think just learn just uh, one thing I can say is just growing. I think that when people stop growing, um, the opportunities stop happening. And I had to, as far as Nashville goes, I had to go there without any ego because I was a student. I was a beginner, even though I'd had all those years of experience doing what I was doing with the Jane Sachs band. But I went to Nashville as a complete um, student, not 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 without experience, but certainly without the knowledge that I needed for down there. And I had to learn, and I had to learn to to start all over again, and you know, be at, be at the bottom and figure out where that bar was, and you know, reach it a little bit more every single day. Where do you go to find and listen to new music? I mean, do you still, I know you're writing country and you, you like country, but do you still listen for any alternative, uh, new rock, new pop? Acts? I do. Oh, my God. There's a lot of great stuff going on. I have a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, and they have introduced me just to s- such great stuff. Their generation is brilliant. And I'm learning from from that generation. I listen a lot. My my son and I have evenings where we'll just you know drive around, and he um, has an aux cord, and he'll just play his playlist for me. And I, I'm learning so much. So so when your kids were younger, and you were part of the PTA, you know, like what would would the kids say? My my <laughs> mom is a singer. Like what what would they tell other kids? even think they really even they didn't care they could they could care (laughs) less i i remember when the phone call came in about winning um the john lennon thing i i was sick they were in my bedroom and i had some sort of bad flu and so i had them playing on the floor and i was in bed and the director of that contest called me and i could hardly speak because it was like all in my throat and all that and I but I got so excited that I jumped up I fell off the bed I knocked the lamp over and I and I fell into whatever game they were playing and then they bitched at me like these like little two little kids bitched at me for like falling into their game like um but no they didn't really care so much they um they care more now of what my background was uh, when when you sent me the um, news um, YouTube of that uh, 90, of the ninety seven exposure thing, I my kids watched it with me and they you know they thought it was pretty they thought it was pretty cool. It's hard to impress them though. They're nineteen and twenty one. I mean, I'm still like their goofy you know old mom. So. <laughs> No, when they were in school in fifth grade, they'd open the door and go, now introducing the 1995 exposure winner. 
and then they'd sit down with the teacher. Yeah, right. No, it's it's more like the other story Jane told, where it's like, you messed up our game of cards. Who's this yeah, John right. Lennon guy anyhow? Nobody's ever heard of him. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the interesting thing is some of their teachers through the years were fans and they they were like, I'd come in for like the parent teacher and conferences and they were like so excited to see me. And my kids would look at me like, what the hell? Like, you know, I'm like, well, you know, there was they only saw me or knew me from stage. But they thought um, maybe you made some really good brownies for the bake sale. <laughs> they wouldn't have wanted my brownies but <laughs> that's why the teachers were excited though right yes there she comes <laughs> oh, i love it and jane it's been so great catching up with you it's good to know like you're still living uh, a musical life and you still have that positive energy that we remember you for back in the 90s so that Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a treat. I thought you were going to say it's so great that you're still living. I thought you were going to put a period. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, guys. Great to see you. Great to hear you again. 97X. It's just going to be a big party. You know, we've got Uh some great bands coming. Uh Rumblings from the Big Bush.